Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 369 of the Juicebox podcast. Today, an Ask Scott and Jenny. And these are questions that Jenny and I did our best to answer that came directly from you. Today, we'll be talking about sleepovers, relocating, finding new doctors, blind management, which is the idea of being able to manage type 1 diabetes without being with the person that you're helping. And what are those other doctors that people with type 1 diabetes need to visit? Now, you guys know Jenny by now. Jenny has had type 1 diabetes for over 30 years. She's a certified diabetes educator and a lot of other cool things. But mostly, she's the person you know from the Pro Tip series, from Ask Scott and Jenny, of course, and Defining Diabetes. Jenny really is just the cat's pajamas when it comes to type 1 and a couple of other things. Please remember while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you hold on for just one second after the music, I have something for you. So today's show doesn't have a sponsor in the classic sense, meaning that no one has, you know, paid a fee to put an ad on the podcast today. What I do have, however, is an opportunity, one for you and one for me. One for everybody living with type 1 diabetes, actually, but let me explain a little bit to you. If you remember back a number of weeks ago, maybe it's months now, the CEO of T1D Exchange came on. It's a nonprofit that does data-driven stuff to help people with type 1 diabetes. Anyway, after that episode, I maintained a a relationship with T1D Exchange. We were talking back and forth about a couple of things, and they asked me if I'd be interested in helping them gain participants for the T1D Exchange registry. So see, the T1D Exchange registry is a research study conducted over time for individuals with type 1 diabetes and their supporters, for like the parents of somebody with type 1 as well. The participants are volunteers that provide their data for research by just answering these questions in an annual survey. Once you're enrolled, registry participants have the opportunity to sign up for other studies on various topics related to type 1 diabetes. The goal here is to improve knowledge of type 1 diabetes, help accelerate the discovery and development of new treatments, or to generate evidence that supports policy and insurance coverage changes that help people living with type 1. So if they're not just paying for me to tell you this, how does this work? This is important for me to tell you. I I want you to understand this. Every one of you that goes to the link, t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box, enters the registry, uh, answers a couple of questions to see if you're eligible, and it's really just about having diabetes, a couple other things, and then completes the questionnaire, which I've done already. It took me about seven minutes. I actually did it live, and I, I recorded it. So it's at the end of this episode, so you can hear. It took me about seven minutes. The questions are very basic and completely anonymous. Your information will never be attached to the answers. They will never know that you, let's say your name, for instance, is John. Uh, John, your information, the answers to your questions, will never be attached to your name. It's taken very, very, very seriously. HIPAA regulations are followed to, you know, the nth degree. Anyway, 
This information impacts all kinds of things. For instance, you know how uh, Medicare started covering CGMs? They used the data that the T1D exchange was able to pull together to show how important that was, and it helped move that legislation forward. It's helped coverage for test strips. It's helped to show that Dexcom can work without finger sticks, all of this different stuff. But, but here ends up being the real problem. The more data that they have, the better they can do their job. And the T1D exchange is having trouble getting enough people to do it. That's why they came to me. They thought that this podcast could reach more people. It's not a situation where people don't want to do it. It's that they don't know it exists so they don't know to do it. So they don't just need 25 of you to do this. They don't just need 100 of you to do this. They need thousands of you to do this. And it's super simple. Again, you'll see at the end, but you go online, the website is really clean. It's very intuitive. It's easy to get through. Couple quick questions. Am I okay to do this? Yes. Comes back immediately through your email. You keep going right there on the webpage answer the questions. I go over every question so you know them. And then that's it. And then annually, so yearly, you'll be asked to kind of update your answers to some things and maybe ask different questions. I put a lot more information at the end of the episode so you can understand this. But that's it. It's super simple and incredibly valuable for people living with type 1. So if you've been looking for a way to support people with type 1 diabetes, and if you'd like to support the podcast, this is going to do that you know, with one one effort, two birds, one stone, think of it any way you want to. You're going to help people with type 1, you're going to help yourself, you're going to help your child, you're going to help the future with type 1 diabetes, and you're going to help support the podcast. T1D Exchange wants you to know that the purpose of the study is to collect information from individuals with type 1 diabetes and parents of children with T1D to learn more about the management of type 1 diabetes, how it may change over time, and how different management approaches relate to glycemic outcomes, acute complications, and the use of health services. At this time, there is no end date in sight for the registry. The T1D Exchange hopes to follow a large group of people with type 1 diabetes over many years so they can get a very firm grasp of what all this data means. Anyway, I think the people listening to this podcast fit perfectly into this idea, and I know we can reach a lot of people. So if that sounds good to you and you can spare a few minutes, t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. Links in your show notes and links at juiceboxpodcast.com. U.S. residents only. Oh, my God. Hi. Hi. <laughs> when you texted, I was like leisurely just, you know. like Getting oh, a cup of coffee or no tea. You don't not, drink coffee. Not tea. even that. I was, uh, I had a. Arden's blood sugar got low on me at 4 a.m. Oh, no. It was two seconds. I got up and I fixed it. But I, I stayed awake to make sure. And then the dogs barked. And then before I knew it, it was 6.30. It was time to get up. And I hadn't been up yet. And Kelly let me sleep. So I just <laughs> I just like 10 minutes ago, I opened my eyes and I was like, huh, it's morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And I don't sleep in ever. I never get to sleep in. So I was like. uh, Well, that's a long sleep in. It was. And so I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm going to go set up and get ready. I'll take a shower. And then you're like. now you're like, Jenny's bugging me. I'm ready. I was like, (laughs) ready for what, lady? What's going on? All right, Jenny, let's actually get to the questions here, shall we? 
Megan, Megan goes, I've heard Jenny talk about when she was little. Ooh, this is about little tiny Jenny. Oh. And did sleepovers. I've mm. never let my daughter go to someone else's house overnight. She's nine years old. Any helpful hints? She doesn't wake up to her phone alarms. So it would have to be me calling and other parents when she needs something. Well, I know what I do. So you're in a different position. You're, you're, you're not little Jenny anymore, but like, but talk about that for a second back in the day. Like, why was it easier when people knew less about diabetes? Like, and I mean about the data and what was actually happening. Cause nobody restricted you. Cause nobody could follow anything. I mean, there was, there was literally no continuous glucose monitor. And while there were pumps, they were, they were nothing. So I didn't, I didn't have one. I was only on daily injections. Um, I mean, the sleepovers that I had, it wasn't like some random person down the block that was like, hey, I met Jenny at the playground. Let's have her come sleep over. You know, I mean, these sleepovers were with good friends that knew that I had diabetes. Um, I mean, they didn't know much about the management of it. But, you know, what my parents, essentially my mom really did, since she was like the order keeper in our house, Mm -hmm. (laughs) was she just kind of hyped up a plan, right? She was, she called the parent ahead of time. She knew kind of like what kind of snacks and things, what we were going to be doing, whether it be like playing outside or whatnot before, or if it was just an evening kind of thing where we'd be watching movies and then talking all night or whatever it was, you know? And she essentially just gave a guideline for Jenny needs to check her blood sugar at these times. Again, we had no continuous monitor, so I had to do a finger stick. Right. And, um, you know, has to have a snack at this time. Because actually, at the time of doing sleepovers, and even in through high school, the insulin that I was on required very regular meals and snacks. I didn't have the option of using a Humalog because it wasn't available or a Novalog because it wasn't available. There was no rapid. There was R, which was longer acting. So I had very timed types of things. So I always had an evening snack plan. Mm -hmm. And it was just that my mom had to make a consideration for what that was going to be at the friend's house now compared to what I usually had at home. Did you deal with lows the way people deal with lows now on that insulin? Um, only if you didn't eat, only if you didn't eat, correct. Because on regular insulin, you usually mixed it in a syringe with an intermediate acting insulin, which was cloudy. Mm -hmm. Right. And that had about a 12 to maybe 16 ish hour impact. So you took that kind of insulin with the R insulin every 12 hours morning. You didn't take any insulin at lunchtime because the cloudy insulin was supposed to peak in action. And so the lunchtime met the peak of that insulin so you didn't take insulin to cover lunch but again meals were also very structured like i had a certain amount of fruit and vegetable and protein and fat and you know everything at the meal was very sort of you know was scheduled it was regimented so i think that might have actually made it a little bit a little simpler i would say i'm honestly i'm thinking your mom's real concern was eating at certain times Right. Testing to make sure we're not way crazy off one way or the other. And Correct. and maybe having to adjust the insulin a little more aggressively for party foods that you didn't eat every day. Right. Right. And potentially knowing that, you know, the next morning, I mean, the call was always this is Jenny's blood sugar. It wasn't that 
the parent of the house figured out what to do. Right. It was that they called my mom and they were like, this is Jenny's blood sugar. Now and then we did the math and we figured it out. You know, we but, knew how much to take then in, because we did have a correction, yeah. you know, to be able to add in. Um, but as far as overnight, I believe I remember the parents at night waking me up in some cases, but I can definitely say not all the time. To test. I mean, that was a was it was a thing that my parents did do at home. Yeah. But I'm quite sure that my mom didn't have them doing that all the time. She went with the uh, it'll be okay, it's usually okay, that kind of thing. And she went with that because she knew the kinds of things I was going to be snacking on right. at a party in the evening were likely actually just going to drive my blood sugar higher than we would want them anyway. Yeah. And we just left them sit there. So you know, we we didn't know really. Right. So I, so I think the two things here that make your experience different than Megan's question is the type of insulin, right, mm-hmm. that, that we use now versus back then. Right. Um, and that your mom had things pretty well set Structured. up. Structured. Right. Yeah. So she wasn't like, things weren't a mess at your house for your diabetes. No. And your mom was like, well, we'll just roll the dice and let her go. You, you know, right. like, like she, right. she, she had a plan. I think- it sounds to me, how old is your mom? Uh, my mom is 70. How how would she do on one of these interviews, do you think? I just thought it might be interesting. Oh my gosh. It might be interesting to talk to your mom one day. Um, <laughs> but but you'll decide if that's a good idea or not. Yeah. I don't I don't need to know. Uh but but my thought was is that she was she was more like us, the people listening to this podcast probably, but back then she right. really like dug through it, it wasn't just as easy as, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Like I know I had friends who had diabetes, you know, that long ago. And it was just sort of like, hey, this is what they told me to do. And this is what I do. And right. they weren't looking at it any farther than that. Right. Um, and so. And today's technology has brought in the ability to see so much more. I mean, I mean, even my mom says today, gosh, I wish that I had had this type of visual information when you were little, right. the things that we could have done differently is kind of, and I'm like, you know what, mom, I'm alive. I am complication free. You did a really did good a job, job with yeah. what you had. And that is what it is, you know? Um, but in today's world with the technology we have, you kind of have to take it and say, what do you know about the people where you're sending your child to sleep over? Mm-hmm. Right. Are they really going to do this thing that you're asking them to do, or will they not see it as being important? But I also right. think that if Megan has a CGM, if she has a Dexcom and she has share, I mean, which I think at this point they all share, like there's not one right. that's, I don't think anybody's using one that they can't see on a phone or, right. or something like that remotely. So is the idea for me, I mean, here's how I did it. I, I, I thought, okay, I can't not let Arden spend the night at someone's house. Right. And I've had two different experiences. I've had parents who... It's, you know what? I've had three different experiences. It's interesting. I've had parents who just listened to what I said and didn't over or underthink it. And that always went well. I had a guy who it struck him so hard, the father, not the mother. He just stayed up all night long. He couldn't bring himself couldn't to go to sleep. sleep. When I got there in the morning to pick him up, he hugged me and we did not know each other. And it was, a, I'm sorry your daughter has this hug. Aww. Like, like it was like that. Like, I'm sorry that you stay up all night yeah, like he, I did. Because <laughs> he just assumed, I think, that I probably never, he probably looked at me and was like, that's why that guy looks so bad. <laughs> you know, like, so. <laughs> he but, doesn't sleep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be okay either if I never slept. But no, right. he, he just, he cared so much and he, and he took it so seriously that he couldn't bring himself 
to have a moment he slept through and he just sat up. Sure. And I've had people, this one woman comes to mind, um, who, if something would go wrong, it was fine if it went right. But if something went wrong, if Arden's blood sugar got out of toe a little bit, she'd call me and say, you have to come get her. And she made me pick Arden up at three o'clock in the morning once. So I've had all the different experiences. So the oh. people you're sending them to are a big part of this. They are. Right? Because yep. you don't know how they're going to react to being able to see the data. Right. Right. And I think you may want to, in that in that sense, you may want to even start with the people who really You've come to know them well. You don't only know their child, but yeah. you've come to know the parents of the child. Right. You've gotten comfortable with them. They see your strategy of management because you've interacted socially, hopefully again at some point. Right. Through video. Through video now. Through video community <laughs> picnics. Right, yeah. right. So, you know, I think once you get to know people, they have a comfort level because they can see how you strategize and they can see your comfort level with it. Yeah. It's throwing a child into a setting where, again, it's like the parent of a kid who's kind of newer to the group of kids your child hangs out with mm -hmm. and you're like, they're trying to get to know people so they're going to have a party and whatever. Well, you know what? Maybe call the parent, talk, see what their comfort level really is with everything um, because people... I've learned people get a sense of comfort from what you exude, yes. right? Yes. They, they, they feel eventually what you're feeling about it. So if you're like, oh, you got to do this. Oh my goodness. And this, well, I mean, they're going to be all like anxious and like yeah. ramped up too. And Every time I talk about <laughs> school, I tell people do not come off as crazy because right. then they're just going to think you're crazy and that's going to be the end of it. Now, the person who made me come get Arden at three o'clock in the morning, let me say this. I was not surprised that she was the one that that happened with. She was a me person. And when it got hard for me being her, she didn't want to have anything to do with it anymore. But her kid was popular and Arden was trying to, you know. Fit along. Yeah. Interestingly yeah. enough now, I think Arden's popularity has Change a better way. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't see Arden trying to, you know, make friends right. anymore. It's she's just comfortable with the people she's comfortable with now, which is really nice. But but this bigger idea and Megan, you're lucky you answered the asked this question here. Do you, do you know, uh, years ago before all this fun technology, I actually sat in Manhattan for 12 hours in a television studio in a chair and a light would come on and someone would say, you're live in Indianapolis on CBS three news in five, four, three, two, one. And then I would talk about sleepovers and I did it for Lily. And then you'd sit back and they say, this one's a radio. You don't have to be on camera and you'd sit back and then you do a radio interview. I forget what they call them, but I did one, one time for Lily diabetes when they were putting out, um, it was a little book. It was like kids books or something like yep. that, like the cocoa books. Yep. And, um, it was interesting because I got to talk about sleepovers over and over again. It was a little more like, listen, you really need to let your kids do this because it's a weird thing to restrict. Now, having said that, I know people who think that sleepovers are weird and would never let their children sleep in someone else's house. And I don't know that I can argue with that. Like, I mean, if that's your feeling, then right on. But what I, I think is, is that if this is something your kid wants to do and something you want them to do, having to restrict them because of diabetes is going to have some sort of 
psychological impact. It might be a little one, but it's not going to be a good thing moving forward. I was never allowed to go anywhere, which will later build into, I shouldn't go places I'm scared. Like it could in in the the wrong person's head, right? It could build. Some people might not care. So I think if you've got the technology, the way I ended up eventually being good at letting Arden go anywhere was I would practice managing when she wasn't with me through text messages. Right. And then we got so good at it. I don't need to be with Arden to help her with her blood sugar. Right. Then it becomes the overnight spot. Then you have to have a person who's willing to take a phone call and knows it's possible the phone's going to ring overnight and will wake Correct. up and can take direction from you over the phone. Correct. To me, that was and so, and, and all kids, too, are at a very different level of their own ability to manage, right? Some kids from early on can wake up to their alarms Mm -hmm. and they may not know how to treat it, but they wake up to it. They go shake their parent. They're like, I'm low or their parent is already in the kitchen getting them something or whatever. Some kids sleep through everything. And it's a good majority of kids who actually sleep through everything, you know, because they just kids have a very deep sleep, which is a good thing. Um, But from the standpoint of alarms, especially when you're trying to communicate with your child at three o'clock in the morning and they're, you know, six miles away. Yeah that's, it's hard. So again, you have to have that communication piece with the parent, not necessarily saying, Hey, you have to sit up all night and watch my child's blood sugar. But if I call you, I would hope that you're going to answer, you know, um, two other things with technology that help with that one, find my iPhone for people with iPhones. If you don't know what find iPhone is, it sends a piercing signal through another phone. So, you know, you could send that. Um, the other thing is, too, I would, you know, after Dexcom Share was, was you know, a thing, um, I'd put the, the follow app on the parent's phone. Right. But only give them alarms for low. Extreme high or yeah, well, really, extreme, really low. You're 100% yeah. right. I would put it at extreme high or at 55. And right. I said, all right, listen, if this thing beeps, you know, uh, kind of deep and twice, her blood sugar's too high. And if it beeps like faster, I can I said to him, and you'll see, like it actually sounds more panicked. The the low beep, yeah. it feels like it's telling you, "Oh my God, you're low. Do something." Right. Like it actually, it actually, and, or my brain is, you know, tr- you know, uh, yeah. attributed that to the sound at this point. But and I said, you know, it'll be beep 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 four really fast. That's low. Low means do something right now. Don't wait. High means we really should be getting our blood sugar down. And those were simple like directions that I think they were able to understand. Yeah. Megan. I mean, my mom, my mom went as far as all the sleepovers that I went to, I always had my glucagon kit with me. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, I mean, the parents again were knowledgeable, good friend parents and they, they knew how to use it. They knew the purpose of it. Yeah. Um, so I just, I brought it along, but again, never had to use it in those circumstances. Thankfully, right. um, the parents never had to try to read the directions at two o'clock in the morning and figure out how tough, to use it. It is a tough thing to look at another human being in the face, pull a thing out and go, if she has a seizure, what I need you, you to do is like, like, wait, what a second now? <laughs> you know? And you're like, right. Oh, don't worry. That's not going to happen. Um, I used to say, Arden's had diabetes for five years, six years, eight years. That's never happened. We've never used one of these. I buy these and throw these away all the time, blah, blah, blah. Right. Having said that, if she should have a seizure, <laughs> and it's not a not a reassuring thing to say to another person, but it's a good thing. And so my point is, maybe have that, this is how the glucagon works conversation 
not at the drop off, but prior to that, so that you don't put them into shock, you know, as. And I think you actually just said something very appropriate. It's the prior to, it's the planning. Yeah. Right. Most people don't have any plan for dropping their child off at a, at a sleepover Mm -hmm. other than just saying, yes, you can go get everything ready and they drop them off. Yeah. As a parent with diabetes, you already know that you have to have a plan for a plan and plan B for plan C and whatever else. So it's the plan ahead, the talk ahead. Don't expect to spit everything out at the parent as you're dropping your child off at the curb and then be like, (laughs) bye-bye. You know what I want. This is not something you should be yelling out the car window. (laughs) Jenny, I'm actually thinking we should add a couple other things to this. So um, pool parties, picnics, things that you don't go to because you don't you know, you don't like the parents. So you just, <laughs> you know, like, I, I can't spend the afternoon over there with those drunks, you know, like, or whatever, whatever, you know, something you won't be at. Um, sure. I think a lot of these ideas fit right along and they're actually simpler yeah. because people are always going to be awake during them. Um, the one thing that I know causes a hiccup is a pool party. When you go in the pool, now you're not, you don't have a signal for your CGM anymore. Right. And so, I think still one of my one of my most valuable diabetes skills is being able to blind manage diabetes like not to have to be with the person or see exactly what's happening to infer from what I know about the situation and what I can see in the data. I think that's why I'm good at looking at someone's graph and being like hey blah 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 you know do this and this and the way I think of it the way I thought of it originally when I, I realized I need to be better at this when I'm not with it is I was always impressed by customer service people for computers. Like they're not looking at your computer, but they're walking you through the computer, right? Like they're like, you know, see that thing over there? Click on that. They and, know the parts. They know where they are. They know where to poke it. They know exactly on a list of a drop down which one to Right, yeah. right. Like in my mind, make yourself a Marine that can take apart and put his gun back together blindfolded. Like like that sort of a thing with diabetes. Like I feel like I'm there now, which will help you in your own life too. But it definitely helps you when you lose the signal and you can calmly say to yourself, okay, the signal's lost. Arden's in the pool now. Yeah. She's not going to swim that long. She doesn't usually swim this long. So in about a half an hour, you know, she was 105 and a half an hour. If I haven't heard from her, I'm going to send her a text and ask her to get back near the transmitter for a minute and be okay with that and and not be sitting around your house, you know, scrawling on the walls and your own excrement because you've lost your mind. (laughs) You you know, like Billy's a nice boy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like try to hold it together is what I'm saying. And if you can't hold it together, a nice phone call to the host parent right. who's willing to take that phone call and, or text just say, hey, I need you to have Arden test her blood sugar. Right. That's all. And, and tell, tell her, her to get out of the pool for five yeah, minutes. Yeah, and tell her to text me afterwards. Yeah. Um, that's, it's all very reasonable. In the end, as we're talking to Megan and talking to each other, and I'm recollecting all these things I've done throughout time with diabetes, in my mind, I feel like I'm still... Like, I almost feel like I'm getting away with something here having a podcast because is anything we've just said not common sense? Like, right? It's just that what right. happens to us around diabetes is the fear literally knocks the common sense right out of you. Correct. Yeah, And then, and you cling to, I need rules. Give me rules to follow. If I have rules, then nothing will happen. And my kid's not going to have something happen to him I don't want to happen. I don't think right. that's it. 
Like, I don't, th- I think those rules are just there to make people, uh, give them like a, almost a false sense of calm mm-hmm. wh- where what you really need to do is understand it. And is right. that different than anything else in the world? Really? Um, right. you know, also Megan, keep in mind is your, your kid's nine now. She's going to get a little older. She's going to want to go to a dance at the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be the same, the same muscle you're going to use there. You're going to start sending her to parties. I hate to say this. In the 13-14 range, some little malcontent in your town is going to start drinking and think it's really super cool to bring alcohol to a party. And hopefully your kid won't be the one at 14 years old. and hardens. That wants to try it. Right. And- but, you know, by then I'd like to see you have a firm grasp on this because, you know, right. everything gets a little harder when they hit that that age in there. And I think you brought up a point too before about, you know, if it's your decision that you just don't agree with sleepovers at all, it has nothing to do with diabetes, then for the child who has siblings, those siblings also follow the same rules. So it's a little easier for that child to feel like it has nothing to do with diabetes. It's just because mom and dad don't really agree with going to sleepovers. Whereas if your siblings are going to parties and they're eight years old and you're 12 years old, that's really that's not fair. It's not. You're causing and a problem, right? You're causing a problem that could be a problem later on right. for how that child continues to grow and feel about sharing about diabetes yeah. and being open about it and even managing it a little bit more on their own in an open way. Yeah, diabetes is already it already has the possibility of being an issue in your kid's life. You don't want to turn it into that cousin that you talk about behind their back. Where, right. you know what I mean? Where you're like, oh, yo, Patty's great. And then at home, everybody's like, Patty's a whore. Am I right? You, you know what I mean? Like, you <laughs> you know how it goes with right. family, right? Like, because that's, you don't want your kid, you don't want to be telling your kid, it's fine. This is manageable. You can have a normal life. And then, you know, three times a year, be like, well, you can't go because of this diabetes. It's not my right. fault. I'm not the one keeping you out of it. Because now you, now, now right. nobody, nobody likes Patty. And in that's my, not fair right, to Patty right, and right. not going to help you throughout your life. No, no. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can remember only one. And as an adult now, well beyond my teen years, I still remember this one time that I was not allowed to go to do something and it was in high school. And I know it had to do with diabetes. I do. Yeah. And I know because my brother, who's four years younger, so we were never in high school together, right? I finished, I went to college, he started his freshman year. So we were never together. Mm-hmm. My senior year, our basketball team went to state. And that meant that we wanted to travel with our team yeah. and we wanted to go to state and watch them play a weekend tournament, mm-hmm. right? My mom wouldn't let me go. Okay. All my friends were going, my known friends, good parents that my parents knew were going to be there, my mom wouldn't let me go. Yeah. And I knew the reason. Despite her letting me go to a million other things, sleepaway Girl Scout camp, sleepovers, all those things, but I was in high school and she didn't want me to go out of town to sleep in a hotel along with this like and again, I think from a visual, had she had some information technology-wise, she would have been okay with it. Right. But yeah, that was the one instance. And I know it was diabetes because my brother, when he was in high school, they also at some point went to state, the varsity team, and my brother got to go. Could this have been a gender thing, Jenny, as I'm <laughs> asking? Was 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 your mom trying to keep Jenny pure another week? Do you think? I don't know. 
<laughs> why why did you really want to go I to the basketball a, tournament is what I'm asking the, you. And that's the funny thing. I was a really like I was I still am pretty much like a follow the rules. There are many things that I don't, you know, follow strictly everything and right. kind of go my but I'm pretty much like the rule follower. And I was. I growing up, my brother was the one that pushed the buttons, he pushed the limits, he did not me. Mm-hmm. I was the firstborn, and I did it like I was told. I'd be home by eleven thirty. I am home at eleven twenty because I was told to be home at eleven thirty. You know, I so you. I, I I don't know if it was the gender component. Perhaps it was. Yeah. I maybe I that mean, was. I don't know either. I'm just wondering. That's all. But I'm anyway, not... that's the only one situation that I can. Remember. I don't know if your mom was like, "I'm just going to pull this diabetes card out one right. time here to keep Jenny a virgin." That's what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't even have a boyfriend at the point. Well, you don't <laughs> so. need one of those at a basketball tournament. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's nice. Um, do we want to talk about relocating when you have type one, like literally moving somewhere else? Or do we want to talk about. I've done it a lot. Have you? Oh, I've done it a lot. All right, here we go. Uh, MC Perez, what to do or what to consider when relocating, especially if you're the caregiver? of a younger kid with type one, what should I do before leaving? And when I get to my new location, all right, Jenny, you married somebody in the military. Is that right? I did. My husband is a retired Marine. So so he actually probably does know how to take a gun apart with his eyes closed. And um, (laughs) Jenny, what else can your husband do in the dark? And, um, (laughs) and, uh, We'll go with guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're um, just going to talk about Jenny's husband's pistol for a couple more seconds, and then we're going to talk about reloc. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. What do you do to reloc? Now that I've got her. So yeah, laughing. we've we've relocated a lot. I mean, since we got married, um, we have moved many numerous times um, within cities as well as out. I mean, we grew. We moved when I did my internship um, out to Colorado. Then I took my t- first job, and we moved down to Florida. Mm-hmm. Then we, um, my husband took a different job, so we moved up to Washington, D.C. Um, and then the area was very busy. We wanted to be closer to family, so we moved back to Madison in Wisconsin to be closer to family when we wanted to have kids. So okay. we've moved a lot. Yeah. And in each instance, I can say that prep ahead of time. And so that this is a great question. I, somebody's thinking ahead here. Yeah. They're thinking, I know I should be planning something, but what should it be? Right. I mean, as, as the person myself with diabetes, um, I always very quickly established who to go to, right. With whoever my insurance was, once we got there, who I could see, I called a bunch of people. I called around to see, you know, as an endocrine practice for adults, do you see a lot of type ones or are you mostly type twos and you just dabble in type ones okay. or, you know, you're only like this friendly to this particular pump and you don't want to help anybody with anybody, anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so I guess in that it's asking questions, right? And within, again, kind of your network of provider availability. Um, As the caregiver, those are some things that you can do ahead of time. You know, if you're if you know that you're moving someplace, 
obviously you've got a location that you're moving to. You're not just going to like live in your car on a street corner until you find a place to live, right? So you've either got an apartment or a home that you're renting or a home that you're buying in your new location. Um, you know, consider distance in a city. Um, if the best provider is 20 miles across the city, but they're the best and you've heard the, uh, the greatest things and they've got openings, you have to kind of fit that into your I can do that. I mean, yeah. I'm only going to see the person every three months or every six months, so I can do that. Um, or do you want to be closer? Do you have a lot more issues um, that you need to discuss? But calling around as well, like I said, if you know, especially because insurance dictates a lot mm-hmm. of what you can do. So if you know what your provider is going to allow in the new location, look at the network of providers on that plan. Yeah. Start to pick out some. Um, even, um, even, you know, with so much social networking online in the diabetes online community, there are so many Facebook groups, especially available that can give you, you know, parents of kids with type one mm-hmm. ask, I guarantee, at least in some of the big major cities and in most of the States, you're going to find somebody who answers you back and says, Hey, I live in this city and I see this person and they're really, really awesome. You and know, keep in mind when you do that, though, everybody, everybody grades differently. Like they what, do. What does awesome mean? Like, you know, right. in the back of someone's head, awesome could mean, you know, I come in there with an 8.1 and they don't give me a hassle. I like that. It's awesome, which probably isn't is a good thing. I'm just saying that people's expectations are, are right. varying. But I do think it's a valuable way. I just used um, my reach to try to find a an endo for a girl in New York City. Yeah. You, you know, and um, I'm wondering as we're talking. If you don't, I wonder if you couldn't set up a short conversation, not an interview. You wouldn't call it an interview to the doctor because they wouldn't like that. Right. Uh, their God complex would definitely not like that. But, um, but you know, I, a conversation where you say, look, this is how I manage. Would that be okay with you? You know, like, would you be open to helping me on this path? Because I don't want to take all the effort of coming to the pack practice, sitting down, explaining to you what I do and having you say, you can't do it like this, or, you know, I just don't right. want to waste your time or my time. I wonder right. if that's not valuable. I think that's kind of the, it, it's sort of a more in-depth um, thing to do. I think more the tip of the iceberg for, for filtering, yeah. which is kind of what you're doing mm-hmm. is calling the providers that you can see, you know, on your plan or whatever. And assessing most likely you're going to get in contact with their nurse that helps them rather than the actual practitioner and, even that and ask, ask them, yeah. right. You know, have a line of questions that are essentially, I use this kind of product. I use this kind of continuous monitor, this right. kind of, you know, I use this software. Does your offer is, is your office, you know, kind of allowable for these types of things. Do you use these? Would you allow me to bring in reports if you can't physically see them? How much time will you spend with me? I've got a lot of questions. I've got other things besides diabetes. Maybe they've got celiac as well, or maybe they've got, right? Can you work with this? Yeah. How flexible would you be if I said to you, look, I, you know, I don't wait three hours to correct a high, you you know, because there's, there are some places who know, I'm starting to believe they know so little about it in regard in terms of like looking at the data and making a decision, they need to know when things happen because that's how they think about it. I'm starting to think now that's what it's about. It's not about, I don't want you correcting a high probably in the back of their mind. They're like, geez, get this blood sugar down. But if you did, then they don't know how to look at your 
graphs and make Correct. sense of them anymore. Correct. And and so you know, so would you be notes, cool if I did they, that? Yeah, yeah. Right. I need these notes to say what I need them to say so that I can help you. Otherwise, if you bring me different data, I'm I'm useless to you. You, you know, right. I'm I'm starting to think it's a little less about them wanting you to do something a specific way just to control you or because they think you're wrong. And it's more about them about you getting them out of their element by doing things differently than they're accustomed to. Right. Right. Um, but, but, and I, that's, that's the notes component that I, I always talk to the people that I work with about he, your doctor isn't necessarily like a, it's a bad doctor. Yeah. It's just that one, they have a time constraint first. Secondly, if you only give them your pump to download, there are no notes, there's no history, there's no information about it. Mm-hmm. They can only take the information there and make suggestions based on data. Right. But they don't know the variables of your day. If you come into the office and you've been in Aruba for the last three weeks drinking Mai Tais on the beach, they didn't know that when they looked at your data and said, well, gosh, right. what was going on here? <laughs> and, they, and sometimes people don't know. I don't have to say, that's weird. What's happening right there? You, you know. Right. I, you know what made me think of this, and I've never considered this before, but I think it's a good idea. I, like you're saying, call ahead, talk to a nurse, a practitioner, mm-hmm. or something, get a feel before you lock yourself in, right. and then then have to go through that trauma. It made me think of um, when my son was recruiting for baseball. We went to a meeting, and I think he wanted to go to this place, and the guy started saying weird stuff, and it and he wasn't was like, any. And he, we walked out. He goes, "Not here, not this guy." And I went, "Okay, why?" He goes, "I don't know, man. Not here." And I'm like, "All right, you know." So he just he he got some feedback back from this man that made him feel like this is not where I want to spend four years playing baseball. Right. Well, and you bring in a good point there too. From you know this this person is asking specifically for their child. We don't know how old this child might be—a yeah. young or might be a teen or whatnot. But I think especially for all ages, finding this would be a pediatric endo practice, mm-hmm. right? But finding one that the doctor really has interaction with the child and expects the child to be a part of the conversation too. Doesn't talk Even if it's, to you. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not just, I'm talking to your parent and you're off in the corner playing on your iPad because mm-hmm. I don't give two hoots about talking to you. I'm just going to look at your data. In my opinion, if it was my child, that's not the kind of practitioner I want. My child needs to be engaged in that visit. Even if they're three years old and the doctor just asks, where do you like to put your pump? Or which finger do you like to stick? Or, right? I mean, there needs to be, and those are questions, again, that you can ask ahead of time. How do you work with kids? Yeah, and that's good because it might not be so important in the moment. It's important for when your kid's 25 and feels comfortable talking to their doctor about their diabetes, right? right? Yeah, I, I our endo is very good about that with Arden because, you know, in honesty, Jenny's right. They're just there. Honestly, those kids are really there so they can check their sites to make sure their sites aren't going bad right. and, like, you know, right. ask them, you know, the rest of the questions are to make them comfortable. And now you're making a point though about being an adult. I think about this all the time for Arden. I wouldn't know this if I wasn't so involved in the community, but adult endos are a bit of a grab bag, right? It, there, there's not yeah. a ton of really good ones. And so unfortunately, I, I want, yeah, I wonder how long I have to start prior to Arden getting booted from a children's hospital. How old do they let you be at a children's hospital? Till you're done college? 18. 
is it not if you go to college you can't keep going there because pedi- pediatric that's a good question do that i'll have to find out about that yeah, yeah. i would definitely ask about that because i i know it used to be like when i was kicked out of my peds it, i was 18 yeah it right. didn't matter that I was in college. I matter. was 18 and I had to switch over to a, an adult endo. Yeah. I'll tell you, I might very well lead with, listen, here's Arden's records for all these years. I just need you to write some prescriptions. Can you right. do that for me? You got an A1C machine back there somewhere? You know what I mean? Like like yeah. that, that sort of thing. Um, without being cocky in a way that'll make them be like not like you too like there's right. that's the other part of it is like you have to realize you're building a real personal relationship even though it only happens 20 minutes at a time every three months you don't want the doctor to walk in and look you in the face and go oh this one <laughs> <You know? Right. laughs> i remember him he didn't need me like you know what i mean right. like you're you're you need to avoid that kind of stuff so all right um that makes sense did we cover that i think i think so all right cool um, no, here's a pretty I, simple one. And now oh. you go, you go. Oh, I was going to say the one, the only other thing that I would add to the end of that would also be, um, from a prep standpoint, mm-hmm. which is the, you know, the question, make sure that prior to moving, you have enough supplies that you're not in a rat race of establishing with a practitioner to actually get new prescriptions for things yeah. because that a new a new provider will usually not do. Right. If they don't know you from the corner man, they are not going to write a prescription for you just because you're in urgent need of one. But the person you're currently with would probably be happy to load you up before yes. you moved. Yes. Right. I know um, one time Kelly switched jobs unexpectedly that's mm-hmm. a nice way of saying that isn't it uh yeah. one time <laughs> and uh don't worry we're fine but but right. but you know uh, she she switched jobs unexpectedly one time and i was right on the phone nurse practitioner i was like hey we might have a gap in medical insurance and she's she i, I didn't even have to like finish my sentence she's like oh okay I'll just send all the scripts to your because we do yeah. online pharmacy. She's like, I'll send everything in right now for you. I was like, yep. thank you. There was a so what I'm saying is that while my wife was transitioning, um, there was a stack of insulin in my refrigerator big enough that like we couldn't buy hot dogs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We, were, we were a little low on space. Um, and yep. and and that's because we had a great relationship with her. We be, you know, she's the one we knew. So if you're gonna relocate, stock yes. up with the person who knows you beforehand. Correct. All right, uh, we, I think we can do this one before you go. Uh, Brittany said all of the other, by the way, there's a, before I start, there's there's a question here that I don't know if we can ever, I'm going to read you a question and we're not going to do it. Okay. But it says, I feel like so many of us struggle with finding the right balance of explaining diabetes, like fitting in the right amount of details so that they understand it's more than a couple of shots, but not too many details where you give would they give you the glazed over lost? Is this like explaining to somebody else about yeah, what yeah, diabetes yeah. Yeah. is? She's like, not necessarily the how or the why or the scientific medical part, but like a, Hey, if you're listening to this, someone, you know, love has type one diabetes feel they need insulin for food. They eat, but not all carbs are equal, you know? And she goes, this is really interesting. She goes, um, basically, you know, could you roll all of the episodes of the podcast into a quick 30 minutes that I could hand off to another person? I, yeah, no. I don't know if we could. And at the same time, I'm um, invigorated by the idea of trying. <laughs> so, 
Well, actually, it strikes a funny because I, I had a thought the other day, like as I was, I usually try to like read or like do a little bit of journaling before bed. Mm-hmm. It's just like my down mental shift. And I was thinking, we've done a lot of like informative. I was like, I wonder if somebody would take all of these and like write them into a book. I like make a book for us. I keep, I keep <laughs> waiting for somebody to ask me to make the podcast the book. And to be perfectly honest with you, I started having that conversation with someone last year and then it died somewhere along the way. Mm. But interestingly enough, for, you know, I've written a book, I have this podcast, there's a couple of things I've done throughout my life. If you knew how many things, how many irons went into the fire and never came back out of the fire again, you got to throw a lot against the wall to make something work, you know? Yeah. Yes. You do. I'll tell you what, you know, hold on. Let's do one more quick question and then I'll tell you something about that. Okay. So Brittany says all of the other type one diabetes related uh, appointments we need to make uh, diagnosed for nine months and just heard last week, we need to make eye appointments for my four-year-old. What else don't I know about? So I mean, eye appointments are the, you know, the big one, right? They dilate your eyes and they look all the way in the back there and they get a baseline for the health of your eye. And then you go back every year and do it again and again. Yep. Right. And what do they just tell people what they're looking for with that? They're really looking at the vessels in the back of the eye. Mm-hmm. Anytime you go to a, um, an ophthalmologist, not just an optoma, uh, op- optometry you know, doctor, right. an ophthalmologist thumb. actually has studied enough and knows like kind of the diseases of the eyes yeah. and also can really focus in and do that where they dilate the eye. They look at the back of the eye. They're essentially looking at the vessels and they're looking for what are called micro like hemorrhages mm-hmm. or big hemorrhages potentially. Um, but they're looking for those vessels to have um, kind of opened. Right. Yeah. And when that happens, the eye tries to heal itself and it, tr- it, it makes these tinier little vessels. But unfortunately in that healing and making of little vessels, those little vessels are not as stable. Mm-hmm. So they have more potential to break and or hemorrhage yet again, creating more problem in the eye. Yeah. So that's, you just, we really want to establish. And when I was first diagnosed, um, my doctor told my parents not to have me visit the eye doctor until my blood sugars had actually stabilized after diagnosis, because those it, high blood sugars can affect so much early on. It makes it look wonky right there. Right? It makes it look wonky. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, you really want some stability after initial diagnosis to go in and, and get an eye exam. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, you know, nine months post-diagnosis, certainly get an established where is the eye health right now, whether the child is two or 18 or 96, you want to have kind of an established, this is where your eyes are, and then yearly, because then right? every year at yeah. least, okay. you should be having new checks. And if there are problems that do end up coming up, they'll have you come in more frequently then. Mm-hmm. And there are therapies and things that they can do if there is a problem down the road, yes. but that early on gives you baseline, baseline right? right. And for little kids, it's it's really mostly the eye doctor, mm-hmm. really. Um, I, I think of one, too, that many people don't really consider relevant to diabetes, but it's the dentist. Yeah. If you don't have a regular dental routine for your children with diabetes, get on board with that right now. Mm-hmm. They should be having a cleaning, evaluation, checkup every six months at least. Right. Yeah, it's I for a couple of reasons. A- diabetes but b your kid is you know we always talk about it like 
you don't think of juice as a bad thing because it's medicine. You know, oh, my kid takes Smarties. My do, you know, like there's a lot of simple sugars, especially in the beginning when you're really learning how to keep things stable. Yeah. It's a lot of sugar that is not followed up by much teeth brushing. So right. you really have to be ahead of it. And I've talked about it on here before. We just one time switched juice boxes because uh, Arden just was sick of hers. But I yeah. had the right one, meaning I could track it. It did what I wanted. It didn't have a, too much sugar in it. In the six months, she used the other box. And thank God she had baby teeth, teeth still. She developed 10 cavities, cavities. from mm-hmm. this different juice box. So, you know. Yeah. Teeth. So is there, yeah. any, is there anything else Brittany should be doing that she can't think of right now? I mean, you know, we always talk about like, foot health as well with diabetes, right? Just Mm. from the standpoint of like nerve health and everything. Podiatry. I mean, but you're not taking your, no, no, your four-year-old to the podiatrist. Yeah. This is unless for some reason they already have been established with flat feet or something else, or they've got shoe inserts or whatnot. Obviously you want to talk to your podiatrist and inform them. Well, now we have a diagnosis of diabetes in the picture here as well. Just to, you know, I obviously a chart should show them that, but you just want to bring it up. Yeah. And for people who don't understand, the reason foot health is so important for a diabetic is if you should develop neuropathy and you can't feel your feet, now suddenly a small wound that you'd be aware of, you might not be aware of anymore. Correct. And that could be, if that goes on long enough, that could be a really terrible problem. Correct. And in the same vein, you know, kids are kids. I mean, sometimes my kids run around in the backyard in the nice grass without shoes on. Yeah. Um, I mean, technically, as somebody with diabetes and technically, you know, we're told don't don't not wear shoes, you know, right. I walk in the backyard without shoes. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I well, walk out to get the mail in the morning or whatever, you know, without my flip flops on. And but I have feeling in my feet, you right. know, that's so from the, the rest standpoint of the of, sentence, nobody that's gives the rest it. of the sentence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but even for kids, you know, kids sometimes are not very like attuned to their body, right. right? So check your kid's feet every time you give them a bath or at night when you're taking their socks off to put them in bed, just check their feet. Right. I mean, that's better than anything. But don't have a paranoia around it. But it's don't, not, par- right, yeah. right. I mean, so, the only other question. thing, yeah, the only other thing I would say to Brittany is that through the years, um, you know, I pay a little closer attention to blood tests, I think. I don't just take mm-hmm. it's in range as an answer. Right. Um, so, you know, what does that mean? Am I at the low end of the range? Is she at the, like, where in that range is she? And, you know, I'll, I'll go into it in another episode, but, you know, Arden has hypothyroidism, but mm-hmm. her labs were quote unquote in range, but we were watching her like shut off like a, you know, like a light that's battery was dying. Yeah. And, and the doctor's like, no, she's fine. We don't treat in this range. And I was like, Ooh, you treat my kid in this range. So Make with yeah. the make with the synthroid, you know. Right, but, but right. I'll, I'll talk about that at some point. Yeah, um, I think the the only other thing I was gonna say would be um, this is a I feel like this is a missed point entirely, and I know I've talked about it when we talked about nutrition mm-hmm. and kind of impact of foods and whatnot. But for kids who have diabetes, working with a good dietitian who's a diabetes educator. Yeah. It's a great way to establish what are your child's needs. Mm-hmm. Not because they have diabetes, but as a child, what should your child be eating? How much? And it's not, you know, work with somebody who really understands that it's not all about I'm not here to talk about carbohydrates. 
I get it. I know how to count my carbs. Don't teach me how to read a label. Right. I want to know what my kid needs. How much extra protein do they need? They're in gymnastics four hours, three times a week. Yeah. Or they're playing soccer, you know, two hours, four times, whatever it is. Those are really important because then the diabetes management works into what you're feeding them. We really don't talk about like food as fuel no. in America at all the way we should. No. And sometimes you're pushing through activities and your body is, you know, it's, it's, it's lacking. It, it's, it eats eating itself to get through what it wants to do. And you're like, look, yep. they're fine. They're kids. Kids are resilient. You know, right. <laughs> right. whatever stupid thing people say. Hey, huge thanks to everybody out there for sending in their questions. And of course, to Jenny from IntegratedDiabetes.com for coming on and checking it out. If you want to hire Jenny, you can do that at IntegratedDiabetes.com. Okay, if you want to join the T1D Exchange Registry, just go to T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox, and you can do everything that I explained at the beginning of the podcast episode. But if you'd like to actually hear me go through the questions first, that's going to happen right now. So... Settle in and keep listening or jump over there to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox right now and get started. Okay, guys, I'm going to sign up for the T1D registry right here. My name is Scott Benner. My email address is scott at juiceboxpodcast.com. Password, phone number for added security for a one-time identification code to your mobile phone. All right, do that. Who am I completing these questions for? My child who is under 18. The other option is myself over 18. Because I picked my child, I put in Arden's name, sign up. Well, that was easy. Confirmation code, that quick, submit, success. Your account has been created. Let's get started. Okay, now I'm gonna answer the questions. Start the study. Are you and your child able to read and understand English? Yes. What's your child's date of birth? It was easy, I knew that. Where does your child currently live? Which state? Okay, that was easy. And zip code. You can also answer my child does not live in the US or a US territory, let's see. Has your child been diagnosed with type one diabetes? Why, yes, she has been. Is your child currently using insulin? Yes. I'm finished. You are all finished the screening questions. That was easy. Once you're ready, you can submit your answers. I have submitted my answers. Now this is gonna tell me if I'm, if Arden's eligible for success. Your child is eligible to take part in the registry. You will now move on to the informed consent and dissent. Go to consent. There's some legal stuff here. I say continue. What is conformed consent? Can I stop being the study? You or your child can stop participating at any time. You will be told about new information. Are there is there a cost related to being the study? No cost. Is there a payment for taking part in the study? There is no payment for taking part in the study at this time. How will my child's or my information be kept confidential? Very, very, very there's a lot of stuff here about confidential. Okay, now consent. I agree to take part. And then type your name like a signature and agree. I've received an email that says, oh, it's a copy of the consent form. That's lovely. That was easy. Then you do assent. You are being asked to be in a research study. The purpose of this 
asset form is to help you decide if you want to be in the research study. You should not join this study until you've answered all the questions or answered, okay. Who's doing the study? Done by the T1D Exchange and is being funded by the Helmsley Charitable Trust. T1D Exchange will use the funding to organize the study. Purpose of the study is to collect information from individuals with T1D and parents of children with T1D to learn more about the management of T1D, how it may change over time, and how different management approaches relate to glycemic outcomes, acute complications, and use of health services. At this time, we do not have an end date for the registry, but we hope to enroll and follow a large group of people with T1D for multiple years. That's cool. And I hope that a large amount of those people come from this podcast. All right. So we say yes to assent. We have your consent. You have completed the informed consent process. Your signed and dated consent form has been sent to your email. Oh, there it is. Okay. Now there's a questionnaire. Before you start, you will be reading and answering the following questions on behalf of a minor. Okay. What's your child's biological sex at birth? How do they identify? Race, ethnicity, what percentage of the time does your child reside in your home? When was your child diagnosed with type 1 diabetes? You know, I don't remember the exact day. That's interesting. Just put month and year. How was your child diagnosed? Carter was in DKA. What was your child's last day one C? This one I know. 5.8. How did you or your child find out about the registry? I found out from the Juicebox podcast. That's other Juicebox. Make sure you put that in there. Podcast. Cool. Next. What's the highest level of education that you, the parent of the parent or caregiver, completed? Please select only one answer. What is your, the parent or caregiver's current household income from all sources? How would you best describe your, the parent caregiver's current employment status? I think I'm employed right here on the podcast. Call that part-time. What kind of health coverage does your child currently have? Uh, Who does your child see for diabetes care? And you can choose more than one. Like she has an endocrinologist, but also a nurse practitioner, EE, which of course, are we not diabetes specific nurse practitioner? Got it. And a certified diabetes educator. How tall is your child? I know this too. Garden is five, seven. My feet, seven inches. How much does she weigh? I know that as well. Does any of her immediate biological family members have diabetes? Does your child have any other immune diseases? Seems so. Um, hypothyroidism. Now look at this. Psoriasis is listed there. That's interesting. Is your child currently pregnant? No. How many biological children does your child have? Zero. Has your child ever been treated for and or diagnosed with any of the following? Frozen shoulder, anxiety, Alzheimer's, substance abuse. I'm not going to read all these. Let me just roll through here real quick. Cardiovascular disease. No, 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 no. Feels pretty good to be able to say no to these things. That's cool. Uh, No. Has your child had an isolate transplant? No. 
pancreas transplant? No. Types of insulin does your child take? A pedra. Next. How does your child usually take insulin? Insulin pump tubeless. Omnipod. It's very specific. There's also on here for if you loop, you can put on here. Open APS, Android. Oh, there's very uh, insulin pens, syringes, inhalable and such. Everything's here. Uh, addition to insulin. Is your child currently using medications to lower blood sugar? No. Has your child ever used a real-time continuous glucose monitor? Yes. The Dexcom G6. How many times per day does your child check their blood sugar with a glucose meter? Doing a little averaging here. Which glucose monitor does your child use? Oh, that's easy. The Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Where's that at? Oh, from Ascensia. Contour Next One. Got it? Next. Describe your child's experience starting in January of 2020 with coronavirus. No, my child has not had symptoms. Oh, then, okay. And my child did not get tested. Okay. I finished. That was it. I submit my answers. I've done it. I have successfully uh, joined the T1D exchange and completed the questions. Now, what's going to happen is once a year, they're going to reach out to me and ask me to update some questions. And that's it. That's all this is. Completely, completely blinded, meaning no one knows who you are. Nobody knows who your kid is. These are just questions that you're answering to help other people with type 1 diabetes. The T1D Exchange Registry is a research study conducted over time for individuals with type 1 diabetes and their supporters. Participants volunteer to provide their data for research, for example, by answering questions in an annual survey. Once enrolled, registry participants have the opportunity to sign up for other studies on various topics related to type 1 diabetes. The goal here is to improve knowledge of type 1, help accelerate the discovery and development of new treatments, and to generate evidence to support policy or insurance coverage changes that help people with type 1 diabetes. All participant information is kept confidential. Participation is completely voluntary. Your information will be kept in an encrypted database in an anonymous way. This means in place of your name, you will be issued a randomly generated identification number. Opting out at any point will not affect your care. By sharing your opinions, experiences, and data, you will help create the most comprehensive data set of those diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in the United States. And this will advance meaningful treatment, care, and policy. All participation information is kept confidential, and participation is completely voluntary. This questionnaire can be done from your mobile device, on the go, or in the comfort of your own home. It is fast, as you just heard, easy, as you just heard, and confidential, as I've promised you now three times. And the T1G exchange has promised me over and over again. I asked them a million times before I did this. The online platform is very easy to use. I just did it in front of you, but I'm telling you, super simple and clear. The screens are clear. What to do next is clear. There's, you know what I mean? Like it's not a messy setup online. You can really see what it is you're supposed to be doing. It is not difficult to get through this. The T1D exchange, of course, takes your data very seriously. That's why they are HIPAA compliant. When you register, you are assigned a unique identifier, so none of your personal identifiable information will ever be linked to the data you provide. You hear what I'm saying? You and the data, even though, I mean, 
you heard what they just asked me. It's not like it's a big deal or anything, but you and the data are never associated to each other within the database. Nobody could. I'm so nervous talking about this because I'm going to keep saying data and data because I jump between data and data just like it's super easy. Um, oh, by the way, everything you do with T1D Exchange is online. You'll never be asked to go to a doctor or an in-person study or anything like that. But if they have something like that in the future, that's going to be completely optional. So if you've ever wanted to support the type 1 diabetes community and didn't know how, this is a really super simple way for you to do it. And full disclosure, it supports the podcast. But I want to be absolutely clear. This is an ad. Now, it doesn't mean that the T1D exchange just said, look, I'll pay you some money to be on this episode and you'll tell people about the exchange. It's not an ad like that. You just hearing this is not is not making money. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm going to get some money every time one of you completes the survey. So if you're looking for a super simple way to support the T1D community, research, development, things like that, and the podcast without having to buy anything, right? So here's the way for you to support the podcast without a dollar leaving your pocket. You don't have to get yourself an Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. You don't have to get yourself a Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. You don't have to get yourself a Contour X1 blood glucose meter. You don't have to buy Lily's chocolates. You don't have to get some Gvo glucagon through a link. Like none of that. Just do this thing. You'll support the podcast. Obviously, supporting goals of people with type 1 diabetes comes first. But if you can help the podcast at the same time, I mean, double bonus, right? Like, bingo. I just want to add that as you know, you hear me say all the time, I'm very careful about the advertisers that come on the podcast. I think you know that I believe Omnipod, Dexcom, Contour, Next One to be gold standard in their spaces. And the T1D exchange gives me that same feeling. I don't know if you remember back a little while ago, but the CEO of the T1D exchange, Dave Walton, came on the show and I had a really interesting conversation with him that led to more conversations that led to this opportunity. So being super duper honest, the T1D exchange has thousands of spots open and they need this data from the, from thousands of people and they're not getting it. So they came to me and said, we were hoping you could reach a broader audience with more people and fill these slots. So everybody, please go. They don't just need 50 people. They don't just need 500 people. They need thousands. And I know you're all out there. I can see, I can see who's listening. So if you guys could just jump in and do this, you'd be helping them, helping me, helping the podcast, helping yourself, helping other people with type 1 diabetes. It is a win, 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 win. Okay, guys. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. I put that link right there in the show notes of the podcast app, and there'll be a page at juiceboxpodcast.com. But all you need to do is go to T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box and do the things you just heard me do. It's that simple. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Juice Box Podcast. We'll be back very soon with more interviews, information, and fun. Oh, hey, I'm glad you're still here. Listen, um, <clears throat> I bought Jenny a new microphone, and we had a time set up to, to get it all set up for her, and it happened to be as I was finishing up this episode, uh, the editing of this episode, so I recorded it. So I don't know if you want to hear Jenny and I set up a microphone, but if you do, keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> How does it 
stay in place. And then I hooked on the microphone and yeah. it just stayed where it was supposed to be. It's, so I was like, well, clearly that's all I had to do. By the so. way, a second ago, I decided I'm recording this because I'm going to put it at the end of an episode. Us trying to hook your micro, your new microphone up. So if you want to, if you want to curse, I'll beep you out. Um, okay. So you already hooked up your one mic. It shouldn't be that hard. This is just a USB cable, just like the other one, right? Um, yes, it's got a USB cable. Again, I didn't like connect it or plug it in yet. And it looks like it's got a place for like, a, it's got a headphone jack too. Yes, that is not something you'll need. Actually. It isn't. No, so just keep doing my headphones through the computer like I do. 100%. That's for okay. if you were doing recording and you wanted to do something... Um, where you could hear yourself before you got processed through the computer, you'd listen through that. And that's actually, those dials are for that as well. So you won't need those dials either. Okay. Cool. So, gotcha. Yeah. So I don't really have to play with either of these, which I don't really know what they mean. Nothing for you um, that, to do there. Okay. So just plug this into the computer and then hopefully the microphone goes through this. I think it's going to magically begin to work. Let's see. I'm just finishing an episode that's going to go up now, but with you and I. Oh, yeah? It's like an Ask Scott and Jenny episode. Oh, nice. Yay. Okay, I've got like a little blue light on this thingamajigger. Okay. It's all fancy. Like I walked into my office app. I set it up like at night. It was like 10 o'clock because then everybody's asleep. Right. And nobody bugs me and little boys aren't like, can I play with the buttons and like (laughs) dial everything and like see how the arm works and whatever. Yeah. And... (laughs) So then I walked into my office the other day and I was like, outside of my office being completely deranged right now because we're redoing the floor and everything in it. So everything looks horrid. This is Arden um, stuff from her room. We're painting her room. Everything of hers is behind me right now. So I hear you. Yes. Yes. If you could see the floor, it looks, it's like a disaster area. It's horrid. <laughs> but I walked in and I was like, outside of the horrid stuff, I was like, my desk actually looks like. It looks like like a studio for something. It's like well, kind it of fun. Kind of is. So, um, all right. So, I think what you need to do is go. You're, are you in Zoom the application, or, or are you on Zoom online? You have the application Zoom on your on your computer, right? I do have the Zoom app on my computer, and that I clicked the link that you sent me in the the message, and I just pulled up my messenger or my messages on my computer, and I just clicked the link through the messages. So I'm assuming it's coming through the app on my computer. So top left of your so when you click on the Zoom window and, and activate it, you should see on the top left of your screen on your Apple, it should say Zoom.us next to the yep. app. Okay, good. So go up to that and then go down to preferences. Yep. And microphone. What's it show? Like I have. Oh yeah. So it's on audio already, and then does it say the like built-in microphone internal it, right now? It looks like it says built-in microphone internal microphone. Yes. So click on that, and then the new microphone should be there as oh, well. Yes. And click on that. Yep. Okay. Oh, is the volume all the way up? The volume slide underneath of it. The volume slide is like a little bit down lower than half. Push it all the way to the top. Let's see what happens. Push it all the way to the top. Uh, hello. Move, 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 okay. move, move, move. All right. Almost to the top. Wow. Okay. Let's try halfway. All right. Let's see here. Ooh. I don't know what it's... It's not sliding down now. It's it just si- click sitting... On the, you can click on the dot and then drag it. 
It's not dragging for me. It's not doing anything. It's kind of weird. Did you click on automatically adjust microphone volume by mistake? Oh, let's take that off. There. So now it's in the now it's in the middle. Okay. So now you can see I my microphone's different than yours, but I'm up on my mic, right? Like yes. I'm like about a, next to it. Like next to it. I don't want you to have to be that much. So let's try okay. bringing it. How far are we from your face right now, I guess? Jenny is measuring with her fingers. Probably, probably about, <laughs> Pro I would about say four, three, inches. three, four inches. Okay. Three inches. So yeah. try bringing it a little closer. Boop, 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 right there. there. Try that. Okay. That's like two inches. It's right there. Oh, it sounds really good. Okay. Oh. I'll have to just mark this little like space. Well, it's, <laughs> like I feel like I like can see, half see you because the microphone's like covering I, half I know. my face. I know. I feel the same way sometimes. Actually, there are times when people say you go away from the mic, it's because I'm looking at a person and I kind huh. of turn my face to try to feel more to polite, look at something. which is not the is not good. Better better they can hear us. Cool. All right, so, um with you at that distance, here's why I like you at that distance because when that slider was higher, we were getting a little noise, but but slide okay. that slider up just a little bit more, and let me see where the noise comes in. Oopsie. So now it's at like three quarters. Okay. And there's a little bit of noise. So, so slide it down go back a little a bit. Go back a little bit. I'm trying to get it so that's louder, and you can take the mic a little farther away from your mouth, if that makes sense. So now it's probably at like 60% of the way towards full volume. I love this. This sounds terrific. Okay. It really, really does sound good. Yay. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, I'm glad. It's because this, like, good. I don't, I don't hear anything like different, but I also don't do this. Like, you know, I don't record and do all of the listening and the editing. So I don't hear the differences. Yeah. It is literally not going to sound any different to you. It is just going to be way better for the people listening. So this Very actually cool. ended up being, ooh, I lost my ears for a second, but I know why. Give me a second. Um, hold on one second. Yeah. Drink my my tea and like slosh around the ice cubes anymore while we're actually, doing these because the, the irony, I hear everything. The irony is, is that microphone <laughs> is going to hear less of the background in your room than the oh, other nice. one did. So that one is more just right here around your mouth because interest. it's so odd the way this worked out because you and I set up this microphone test randomly and I spent the morning uh, editing an episode, the episode that made me think, I am buying Jenny a new microphone because <laughs> there was something, I don't know if you remember, we must have recorded, how would you remember? This was like April, right as Corona was starting. We did an Ask Scott and Jenny, which is this episode right here Okay, because I'm, I'm just going to leave this conversation at the end of it so people can hear it. And there was a noise behind you, and we couldn't get rid of it. And we were like, is it the fan from your computer? Like I do we, remember, remember that. So mm -hmm. there's some small noise in the background that that microphone was just picking, picking up, up, right? Yeah, I remember picking up the mic that I had, which is a much better mic than I had ever had before. Mm -hmm. And I was like moving it around, and you're like, yep, nope, I can still hear it. Yeah. I can still hear it. I'm like, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> it was picking something up in the room, right? Like a background noise in the room. And so well, I'm getting a text that Arden is hungry. Hold on a second. Mm. Apparently, I'm the short order cook um, <laughs> today. Uh, I, I would never say this in front of my wife, but when we're both working for home, I think to her, her work is more important than mine. <laughs> so when something like this comes up, 
I tend to be the person that takes a break and goes and handles it. But I'm oh, not fine, complaining. Yeah, it's fine. No, no. Uh, but anyway, yeah, like, so we're recording and there's this background noise and you're talking and I'm really interested. And then I'm just annoyed by the noise. And I thought, yeah. I have to get Jenny a better microphone. So you have a much better microphone now. And oh. you sound super clear. As a matter of fact, in, in an hour or two, when this is on the internet, you should go listen to some of it from the beginning and then then and then listen to this. You'll be to really this, interested in the difference in it. I oh. am jacked up excited about this. This Yay. is really great. Thank you. And you don't have anything else to do. So is it okay? Like you'll be able to keep it out of your way when you don't need it? Like are you Yeah, absolutely. The arm is really actually quite nice because I it did come, the microphone itself came with like a stand to pop it up on. I saw that. Um, I didn't like that though for you. The, the, yeah, the nice thing is that this I can just slide off to the side and put off and over. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. Plus thank you very much. No, no, please thank you. Here's some stuff you don't know about yourself. When you're being um when you're making a point, you bang the table. Do I really? When you get excited, you're like, you bang the table. So I couldn't give you the mic stand on the table because it would like go bing, bing, when you bing, were doing bing. that. That was, and so I'm like, all right, she can't have that. That's why when I, I didn't, by the way, for anyone listening, I did not force Jenny. I said, do you want a, a boom arm or do you want a table? She got the pick. And, uh, but when you said you wanted a boom arm, I was quietly like, yes. Okay. Cause that's going to be better. <laughs> um, and, but you're going to use this now for your calls now, I would imagine. Right. I guess I certainly could try it and see if the call, like if the noise and everything is certainly better, especially since you said that it deletes much of the noise in the background. I mean, I do work from home. So especially with everything the way that it is now and the fact that my upcoming second grader will be virtually schooled from home. Um, (laughs) I have a feeling he's going to be on the podcast sometime this year. (laughs) More noise in the background. Um, But that'll be kind of nice because if I do use this, I I would expect that then maybe some of that background noise will be less. Yeah. Um, Can't guarantee that my 85 pound chocolate lab barking will be completely gone, but no, no, this is, and wait till you just hear there's a clarity in your voice now and like a, like a, I think you would call it a timber. Like there's a depth to it that didn't exist before. So this this is perfect. Um, Listen, we never do this, but when we're going to record on Friday, let's, can we do um, an episode of you and I talking to significant others in people's lives, uh, teachers, coworkers, family members, and explain diabetes to them? Like this is the first time they're hearing about it. Like layman's terms. Well, like- well, so like imagine you get diagnosed or you have type one and you have people around you who want to know more, but it's overwhelming to explain it to them. I want them to be able to say, here's an episode of this podcast. It will explain diabetes to you. Can we do that? Cool. That I, sounds fun. I got to think we could. Okay. Absolutely. All right. You go back to your life. This is super exciting. I will send you a awesome. text when this is available so you can hear it. Yay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Scott. See you, Jenny. You want to say goodbye to the people? They're going to hear you. Bye-bye. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Bye. Bye. See ya. Thanks.